you know there's no devil within 50 miles of this place. We ought to just go ahead and turn it loose and be who we are. Before this night is through, there ought to be mass healings, mass deliverance. There's people here. I've already spotted a few that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Tonight is your night. You've been struggling with things way too long. Tonight's your night. Every hitchhiking spirit's got to go tonight. My Lord, the preliminaries of this service, I don't know if I'll ever come down from this. I feel like one of those balloons that just floats to the ceiling, just stays there until it, a couple weeks later, it's still up there. My Lord, let's clap our hands and give him praise again. I'm, I would be remiss if we didn't take a little time. Praise God. Praise God. While you're returning to your seats, I want to give thanks to uh, Brother Patton, Brother Martin, Brother Kelly Patrick, Brother Chad Mills. Thank you for your vote of confidence in uh, allowing me to be here in this tremendous conference. I feel like I've been greatly enriched and blessed and, and nourished by the Word of God and uh, have had the opportunity to make new friends see old friends, and just have a great time in the Holy Ghost. I feel dwarfed tonight to be on the platform with so many incredible men of God. And I want to give honor to the ministry here tonight. And uh, there is enough firepower in this part of the country to not only be the head, but stay the head. You believe that? I've come to tell you the greatest day for the revival in the South is yet to come. I thank God for history books. I thank God for history books. And I give honor to all those that have gone before us from this part of the world. But I want to tell you, we ain't seen nothing yet. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Hallelujah. I give honor to um, one of my bishops and one of my elders, Brother Larry Booker, here tonight. Love him and appreciate him so very, very much. And uh, Brother Tony Spell. I think we ought to give a hand to Pastor Tony Spell, Bishop B.A. Spell in this congregation. Hallelujah. Brother Tony Spell is a pace setter. That's pretty quiet. God's going to have some pace setters. And let's just hook up with them and keep the pace with them. In Jesus' name. It's, it's a great delight to see Brother Jeff Dykes. Yes, sir. You didn't expect that, but it's great to see you tonight. Yes, sir. And uh, also Brother Mark Copeland has been a friend of mine. And if I get if I get going here, I'm going to miss somebody. But I just wanted to recognize these men, so many others that are friends, 
tremendous men of God and to be with the people of God. I'm greatly honored to be with you here tonight. Amen. If you'd stand with us one more time, directing your attention to Acts chapter number 10, a familiar passage of scripture. Hallelujah. The ministry today, um, Brother Floyd Odom, Brother Corey Granger, I'm telling you, it was, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Praise God. Praise God. And then to see Brother Jeff Hoffer, the greatest evangelist of the 21st century, Brother Jeffrey Hoffer. Yes. Amen. Acts chapter number 10, we're going to kind of skip around here and just cherry pick a few scriptures. Verses 1 through 6, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. When I first got saved, I thought that was a rock group. A devout man. One that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms or offerings to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee, tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now in the nearly inspired version, that little phrase there has been removed. I want to tell you, it still takes a man of God. Just having an angel is not enough. Amen. Then we're going to skip on down to verse number 13. And there came a voice to him, speaking to Peter, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Verse number 19. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Verse number 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Verse number 44, familiar passage of scripture. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. I want to preach to us for a few moments tonight. I really do not anticipate preaching long tonight. But I want to preach to us about unseen assistance. Unseen assistance. One more time, let's put our Bibles down and let's pray. We praise the Lord a bunch. Let's pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we pray that the word of the Lord will give illumination, understanding, sagacity, direction. 
We ask it in the name above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shake somebody's hand, then you may be seated. The book of Acts is ours. The book of Acts is ours. If anybody can claim ownership to this great, at this point, unending book, it is the people in this building tonight. It may be reviewed by Baptist eyes, Presbyterian inquiry, John MacArthur, John Piper, Joel Osteen, right on down. But make no mistake about it, the book of Acts is ours. It is not just a history book, it is a living word of God. We are still in the book of Acts. We are still within this powerful book. And while from the ecumenical movement, then the Protestant and the Reformation movement beyond has viewed it as a historical record of the church, I want to tell them the church lives on and it's still repentance, baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. And so when we look at the book of Acts, we are not just looking at this as a historical record, but we are looking at this as a living, breathing document that's not only on print before us, but we have the author and the finisher within us. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 1, this famous passage of Scripture, the Lord Jesus before... He takes his departure into heaven in verse number 4 of Acts 1. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. And then skipping down to verse number 8, he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Sumeria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I have always wondered why the Lord, in verse number 8, made the cutoff at Samaria. Again, he said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth the bombastic explosion in acts chapter 2 with the outpouring of the holy ghost was an explosion that absolutely captivated everybody that was there for the feast of pentecost and beyond the bible says in the book of mark chapter number 16 in fact 
one of the last remaining verses of that powerful book makes this statement talking about the disciples and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word of God with signs following. Aren't you glad that we preach a gospel that there has signs following? I don't need Benny Hinn to tell me beans. I don't tell, I need some charismatic person to tell me anything. But when an apostolic man of God talks to me about healing, I know he knows what he's talking about. When an apostolic man talks about salvation, I know that he knows what he's talking about. The book of Acts belongs to us. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This great revival that began in Jerusalem began to eventually, like pebbles in a pond, it began to ripple out into neighboring communities. We see this record in uh, the Word of God. But when it gets to Acts chapter 8, which is exactly what the Lord Jesus talked about when he said in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. There was a fulcrum. There is a fulcrum of divine assistance that takes place in Acts chapter number 8. The Bible says, in fact, in communicating with Philip in Acts 8 and 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Up until now, this incredible move of God had echoed through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. It had been noised in Judea. It had been preached here and there. The signs that followed began with a man that was sitting at the gate, beautiful. You know the story with that. And even went as far into Acts 8 with the thunderous of revival that happened with the evangelist Philip in Samaria. But in Acts 8 and 26, we see a dividing line where the Lord Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, it is now getting ready to shift gears into the uttermost parts of the earth. First of all, I want to say that the Jerusalem template is the only way to build a revival church. You see that they were praying in the upper room. The Holy Ghost began to move. And then there was worship and praise in the streets. Hallelujah. And then there was apostolic anointed preaching. And there was 3,000 that were baptized. And then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. You can't outdo what that says. You want to build a revival church? You don't need to look on YouTube. You don't need to get on the internet. You just start with prayer. You just start with praise. You just start with preaching. You just start with a move of God. Oh, somebody in the back, give him praise. You can't outdo that. That is the template that was designed to last from the beginning to the end. 
You can't improve on that template. Every anointed church service must begin with prayer. It must have praise and worship. It must have anointed preaching. And if you get the momentum and the dynamic of the Holy Ghost moving in that singular fashion, you'll have people popping up over here and popping up over there. They'll be going down in the name of Jesus. And then we can continue. Hallelujah. The Lord, as I've already mentioned, confirmed with signs following. Be it Peter of saying, silver and gold have I none. You know, that's where our world is today. They're coming to church expecting to get what they think they need. And if they don't, if they don't like it, they're saying, well, I'm not getting what I want. Honey, we're not here to give you what you want. We're here to give you what God, God sees that you need. Why would you fill that little tinkling cup when you can walk out of here with a healing? Why would you sit here and walk out with a bicycle when you can walk out of here with a new life? Why would you walk out of here with a gas card and you can walk out of here with the power and the demonstration of the almighty God? I got news for the South. Our greatest day is here. Come on, let's praise him. I thank God for the good Jerusalem folks that were saved. I thank God for the great people in Judea that were saved. I thank God for the half-breeds and a representation of the Assyrian captivity that were saved in Philip's revival. But the fulcrum came when it was time to divide from Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And now it's not signs following, it's God going before us. The Spirit speaks to Philip. And said, there's a man of color. Got a different sexual orientation. Driving a Mercedes Benz. Oh, I figured I was going to get something like that. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to have an end time revival, we need to kick the walls out and say this is for everybody. I don't care what your color is. I don't care what your orientation is. Don't tell me you were born this way. You must be born again. Oh, let's lift this roof and give it praise. I'm not satisfied with Jerusalem's revival. I'm not satisfied with the Judean revival. I'm not satisfied with Samaritan revival. I want to take this to the world and give glory to God. The Spirit 
God to lead an evangelist to go to a different group of people. It's going to get probably a little tighter before I get done, but then we'll move right through it. Before it's all over with Philip, the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip and the eunuch saw him no more. God is wanting to change gears and get it out of the box. Get it out of Jerusalem. Or you ain't going to change the way we're having church. Because it's the only way that the Bible talks about having church. I'm talking about reaching to people that ain't like me. Reaching to people that don't look like me. Reaching to people that don't act like me. Reaching, oh man, I'm going to preach tonight. We got to change gears with the Holy Ghost. Or we're going to miss it. And then we move to our text. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. We've got a Cornelius on the platform tonight. I think every rock and apostolic church needs a Cornelius. That's an awesome name. He was a military man of the hated Roman army. A representation of captivity and the times of the Gentiles. The Romans were hated by the Jews and make no mistake about it. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much offerings to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day. This is the first recorded instance of unseen assistance reaching into the Gentile world. But it's people we hate. Get over it. If you don't want them, somebody else will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he is not actually the very first sinner to get unseen direction. Because when we go to to the previous chapter... We see that with Saul was breathing out slaughterings against the church. And you know the story on the Damascus Road. He is knocked off his horse, knocked down to his face, saw no man but heard a voice. And he said, who is it? And he says, it is Jesus. Before God ever talked to Ananias, he first talked to the sinner. Before he ever talked to his preacher on a rooftop, he talked to a sinner. 
Ladies and gentlemen, God's talking to people all over this nation and reaching out to people that want to go to heaven. Oh, you better get on board with me because we're taking this thing somewhere. I believe in God for the greatest revival the South has ever seen, the nation has ever seen. Clap your hands and give him glory. You may be seated. You see, Brother Copeland, God can talk to a sinner. But his ministry is going to argue with him. Can't overcome their prejudice. Ananias is going to try to straighten Jesus out. You know, Jesus, you know, we've heard a lot about this guy. He's, uh, you know, he's bad news and he's been doing a lot. Can you imagine somebody that is claiming to live for God, trying to straighten Jesus out? But as soon as he could get Ananias on board, it's time for revival. In Acts chapter number 10, he talks to Cornelius before there is a visitation to Peter. He gets Cornelius totally on board. And then he goes to talk to Peter. I believe that you are seeing two extremes. And when you see hermeneutically, when you see examples like this, God doesn't have time to write 10,000 pages to try to answer every one of our questions. God used extremes to try to get the point across that I am doing something new from this point forward. Thank God for the revival in Jerusalem. Thank God for right around the city. Thank God for right in the neighborhood. But let's get it out of the building. Let's get it out of the parking lot. Let's get it out of city limits. Let's take this thing to the world and you're not going by yourself God's going to go before you Woo, somebody give him praise right now there were angels involved the Holy Ghost was involved And ultimately, they were coordinating together to bring him to the focal point of God's plan, which was to a man of God. It still takes a man of God to be saved or a saint of God. That was a little weak. It needs somebody that is a witness. I'm telling you, there's too many people that are using the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria model trying to have revival. God's saying, I'm already past that. You're going to work your fingers in the bone. You're going to walk your feet and you walk your shoes off. But if you'll get in line with me, I've got angels that are ready. My spirit is ready. I'm ready to bring people from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. Somebody shout and give him glory. more angelic activity in the book of Acts than any other book of the New Testament except for the book of Revelation. 
Whereas when God started, it was signs following. Now it's God moving ahead of them. When a home missionary goes to a city like I did 25 years ago, did not know one person, never been there in my life, there was an angel that was there. When the Presbyterian showed up in the 19th century, he didn't budge. When the Baptist got there in the earliest part of the 20th century, he never even blinked. When the Assembly of God showed up in the 40s, he didn't even scratch his ear. But when God puts an apostolic man on location, the angel says, I'm ready to go. Come on, somebody, give him praise. This thing's bigger than we ever dreamed. This thing's larger than we can wrap our brains around. Every nation, every kindred, every tongue have come out of great tribulation. You may be seated. We've been in Spokane. When I went to uh, the state of Washington, there were fewer churches in the state of Washington per capita than any other state in the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. It's extremely liberal. One of the first states to legalize pot. Don't talk to me about opiate addiction and then turn around and legalize marijuana. Bunch of reprobates. Uh, my wife and I were raised in a revival church. We know what revival looks like, smells like, tastes like. We were prepared to pay the cost for revival. And between my third and fourth year, the devil moved in. Home missionary, when you get on location, you're going to have to overcome whatever drove, drove the last guy out. Wherever he failed, you're going to have to overcome and then take the ball to new heights. And new depths. The good news is you're not there by yourself. There's angels that are. I got Bible for this. I've never been there in my life. I'm from California. Oop, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, Bishop. I got your back. You got my back. I got your back. We're both from California. I'm in the state of Washington. Can't get Bible studies. Knock on doors, slam doors in my face. Felt like I was just about to give up. And all of a sudden, I got a phone call. And a phone call was from a Pentecostal headquarters at the time that said there was a Filipino man. Wasn't going to be a Caucasian revival. I'm not trying to be ugly. I love you. I'm part of you. But I'm here to tell you, God's way out here waiting on us. We're not waiting on God for revival. God's out here waiting for us. I finally linked up with this Filipino man. And we ended up giving a a Bible study, a 12-week Bible study, and baptized him in Jesus' name.
And before it was all over, we flew over to the Philippines, married him and his wife. They're now in Spokane. Her mom, her aunt is in Spokane. His nephew, there's a whole slew of them in Spokane. If we'll just get out there and say, God, you open the door. I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to question. Wherever you open it, I'm going. I got somebody. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. Revival is right in front of you. You've already got unseen assistance. You may be seated. God, I feel like God put me through a little test. We were in our third building. It was the first actual church building that we were buying. Paid it off in a record eight years because of the faithfulness of those great saints of God. But right in the middle of that, I was getting ready for church on a Wednesday afternoon. I got a phone call from one of the ushers. They said, Pastor, you coming to church pretty soon? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to church pretty soon. He said, well, there's a guy here that wants to be saved. I said, well, just have him take a seat. I'll talk to him when I get there. He called back about 20 minutes later. Pastor, are you on your way to church? No, but I'm just getting ready to put my shoes on. I could tell he was real shaken up. He said, well, this guy's really different. I said, well, just hang on. I was really different too before I got saved. And so I ended up there about 15, 20 minutes later. And a man walked up to me with the limp, the limpest handshake that I think I've ever got a hold of. And I'm not hiding my mic. I want the world. I want Holy Ghost Radio to hear this. This is going to the uttermost parts of the earth. We, we can't keep this in Jerusalem and keep God happy. We can't keep it in Judea and keep God happy. We can't keep it in Samaria and do the will of God. We got to get this thing to the uttermost. It's time for multiculturalism. It's time for every persuasion of life. It's time for every orientation to find out where truth is. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise and raise this roof tonight. And in a squeaky voice, he said, hi, my name's Bart. I said, Pastor Mayo, good to meet you. He said, I want to be saved. I said, well, you're in the right place. Talk to him a little bit. He told me that he was the drag queen of Seattle. He was a transvestite. You say, well, those, those kind of people ain't allowed in my church. I'm going to give you my business card. You send them to me. I'll take them. Because I'll watch God cast the devil out and get the glory. And watch God transform a life. And such were some of you. My God, we got to adjust our mentality. This is for everybody. Clap your hands and give the God of the uttermost. He'll save you to the uttermost if we take it to the uttermost. You may be seated. And so before that evening was through, we baptized Bart in Jesus' name. And bless your heart, when he came out of the water, he was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Our church went crazy. 
to every AIDS patient, to everybody that's confused about their gender. There is a God that will wrap his arms around you and will cast out the ugliness and bind up the brokenness of your heart and fill you with the glory of God. Somebody shout, it's revival time. I thank God for previous generations. I thank God for previous efforts. But this is our day. It's the last day. It's the 21st century. We got to take it to the uttermost. Let's lift our hands and just worship him. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm praying for understanding to be disseminated. I'm praying for understanding to breach the walls that we have so tried so hard to construct and maintain through religiosity. No, no, no. Let's lift our hands and pray right now. Let's pray as a movement. I'm not against anybody. I'm a part of you. We're part of the bride. We're part of the body. But my God, there's people out there that are killing their babies. They're killing themselves. They're at the devil is having a revival right under our nose. If God tells you to witness that guy in the store, just do it. If God tells you to introduce yourself to that person, just do it. There's unseen assistance that has put the scenario together. And what I fear is, is that while we have entertained angels unawares, they come among us. To check our level of hospitality with the stranger. Anybody hug you? The angels talk to each other just like they went two by two to check out Sodom and Gomorrah. Now they're walking the streets checking the house of God. Because they got souls. They've seen people sitting on bar stools. Tired of Garth Brooks. Tired of cheap booze. Tired on their fourth marriage. They're empty. They're tired. They slam their glass down. Is there a God, please? God, if you're going to send them anywhere, send them here. Come on, somebody. God, if you're going to reach into that bar and begin to do a work and use an angel, use the Spirit, lead them right. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, lead them to my church. Lead them to where I pastor. I need divine assistance. started out with one Filipino man, almost the fourth year in Spokane. We've got nine cultures represented in Cornerstone. I'm not bragging. We ain't got enough. I want every kaleidoscope of color. I want every background in that church. 
You can get quiet on me all you want. I'm already, I'm already sold out on this. I'm already out here working with an angel. I'm already out here walking with God. I'm already out here hooking up with the Holy Ghost. I can't knock every door, but God knows where they are. The Spirit knows where they are. The angels know where they are. Clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. I heard the story recently. In a camp meeting, a law like this, there was an old woman, could barely walk, had to use a cane. She made her way up to the edge of the platform and handed the preacher through a shaking greatly wrinkled hand she said please read this the preacher began to read this letter that was written by a woman that had survived the holocaust she uh her parents were german lutherans and she said i was raised in a small village that had a church that was very close to the train tracks She said at the height of deportations to Auschwitz and some of these other places, she said our pastor would get up and as we were singing out of hymnals, if a train, we could hear the whistle afar off of that train begin to come in our direction, the pastor would hurriedly close his Bible and ask the church to stand and everybody to grab their hymnal and he would sputter out a number to a page and as that train continued to get closer and closer, he would say, sing, sing, louder, louder, louder. And she said, we were made to sing at the top of our lungs. And barely through the sings and the loud voices of our mouths, we could hear the cries of the Jews as they were passing a church saying, help us, help us, help us, help us. Let's lift our hands and let's just pray. Not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip, but trying to reveal the enormity of the cause. God said, you ain't going by yourself. There's going to be angelic assistance that's going to help you. There's going to be the spirit of God is going to talk to people. I've talked to people on a Sunday and said, what are you doing here? Did anybody tell you about the church? No, no, nobody, nobody invited me. I just felt like I was supposed to be here. I've had people say I was just driving by and we felt compelled to come to this church. When you get in alignment, you've got to be in alignment to open a portal. And God said, I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to work where you can't work. I'm going to move in where you can't see. I'm going to move in that home. I'm going to move in that den of iniquity. I'm going to move in that bar. I'm going to reach and bring him to you. Unseen assistance. If you're ready for the uttermost, that's where the supernatural is. I'm not talking about some latter day deal, hocus pocus. 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a divine working with heaven to save the souls of men. In 1984, I was a heavy metal guitar player in Los Angeles. I wasn't born in this. I have no lineage in this. I have no background in this. I was in a band that was being produced by one of the original members of Black Sabbath. Had a cocaine problem, been an alcoholic since I was 18. Was permanently kicked out of school as a 17 year old, as a junior. He told me we would never want to see this guy back again. My dad looked at me, just about ready to punch me, seemingly, and said, it's either jail or it's the military. And I went in the military as a trembling 17 year old. You know, I can't explain this. And I've thought about this a million times. But in retrospect, Brother Dykes, I almost feel like God was with me back then. You see, Paul said that I was called from my mother's womb. You're kidding me. You broke up families, put people to death, made havoc of the church. But God used me. As a template of mercy that everybody behind me knows. If God saved him, clap your hands and give God the praise. As a pattern of mercy. God watched that drug addiction. God watched me take my first drink of alcohol. God watched me do heroin. God watched me do cocaine. God watched me live a self-destructive, addictive lifestyle. But he wouldn't let me die. And so I made up my mind, Bishop, if I gave that much to the devil, I'm going to tear his mask off and do everything I can with everything I got. Is there a new convert that'll lift your voice? Is there somebody that's been redeemed that'll lift your voice? You're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Somebody run. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. If you think I'm wild, you ain't say nothing yet. You may be seated. I was playing live on stage in downtown San Francisco. My hair was bleached white halfway down my back, stuck way up off my head, earrings everywhere, black leather. I still got pictures on my phone. You want to see them, we'll hook up after church. Just get me before I start eating, because once I start eating, there ain't no stopping. I'm a well-trained Pentecostal, and I love it. 
Because when I got saved, my arms were about that big around. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, my dear bishop is the next hippie. Look what God has done. Some of you, God's going to raise you up, put an anointing on your life, stay submitted to your pastor, and then tear up the house of the devil. He didn't save you and I to sit there. He didn't save you and I to get wealthy. He didn't save you and I to be hit among the stuff. He didn't save you and I to get religious. He didn't save you and I. You may be seated. I was done. I was in a heavy metal band called Roadrunner out of San Francisco at this time. Playing live on stage with the headlining act. Downtown San Francisco and the late Bill Graham, the most famous rock promoter of all time. Whether it was the spirit, an angel, Jesus, I do not know. But when that curtain began to part at about 11 p.m., all of of us had been drinking and doing drugs since about 5 in the afternoon. There was a voice that spoke to me. When God intervenes, they are not allowed to preach. He's got a man for that. They desire to look in this, look into this. The dynamics of redemption and regeneration are beyond their minds and aspirations. Because all they can remember is Lucifer. But now they're working with humanity that's lost. And distanced from God. And this is what this voice said to me. Is all, is this all there is to this? You know, I've been thinking about that. I can't even explain it to you. It cut through the dope. It cut through the bitterness and the hatred that I had from my parents. It cut through the cocaine. It cut through the wounded spirit of being abused and and abusing my own body as being self-destructive. And it haunted me every day. I said, what was that? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. What was that? Approximately nine months later, I got a knock on my apartment door in Sacramento, California. I opened up the door and it's my younger brother. He'd been down to Brother Randy G. Key's church in a revival with Brother Tim Copeland. One of the greatest men of God I've ever met, Brother Tim Copeland. I looked at him. He was smiling from ear to ear. I said, what are you so happy about? He said, I received the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. 
What? I said, man, I just ran to the store and got a 12-pack. Come on in. We'll t- let's talk about this holy stuff. He sat there for the next hour and t- told me that he went to a revival on 7th and I in downtown Modesto and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And I just opened another beer and drank it. Tell me again. Opened another beer and drank it. Opened another beer and drank it. And I said, you know... Maybe I'll try to go to... I couldn't even spell Pentecost. I didn't know where the T was, where the E was. I said, I'm going with you on Sunday. I had to make sure he wasn't getting in a cult. Here I am, drug infested and bugs everywhere. And I'm telling him, I got to make sure, you know, I'm the big brother. You're not in a cult. So I got dressed up and put some blue jeans on, ripped up shirt, went to a church on 47th Avenue in Sacramento. And I walked into that church and I saw a group of people that looked just like you. And I looked at my brother and I said, you're kidding, right? Dude, they look like they just came off the Mayflower. I can't hang with this group. I'm sitting here with go-go boots and... I didn't know what holiness was. Couldn't spell that either. I never seen separation in my life. I sat through that service, saw people running around. I looked at my brother. I said, what did you get into? At the end of that service, a couple guys walked up to me in suits. They looked like FBI agents. And I said, dude, I got warrants. What are these guys doing around here? You know, I can't have nobody laying hands on me, finding out who I am. One guy walked up to me and said, you want the Holy Ghost? And I said, no. And I got out of there and lit up a cigarette. I was ignorant. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was looking at. See, the problem with our world is they don't know what they don't know. But if somebody will be a witness and break it down and said, if God did it for me, you may be seated, coming to a close. uh, He, uh, I told my brother, I said, it's back when people actually used the yellow pages. I grabbed the yellow pages. I said, I don't like that church. Let's find another one. I was a church hopper before I was even saved. Some people are church hoppers after they think they're saved. I was a church hopper and I knew I wasn't saved. I found another church up in Roseville. Apple. I'm getting worried. It sounds Catholic. It sounds Orthodox. It sounds like candles and catacombs. And weird. Here I am, addicted to cocaine, been an alcoholic. I can't even get them in a treatment center because I, I won't commit to anything. And I'm telling them this stuff is weird. We went to the Southern Church. Pretty much worked out like the last one. And on the way back home, I said, listen, I said, you can go if you want to, but I, I can't do this. 
I said, I, I, don't, I don't understand this. I, I just, I, you're never going to get me to look like that. You're never going to get me to run around in circles. You're never going to get me to talk in that nonsense. God's saying, just wait. God loves to do that. Come on, let's give God a good time and reach out for people that are outside our comfort zone. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. You may be seated. I was just about ready to quit my journey. Didn't feel nothing, didn't sense nothing. I was just, I just, I said, I'm done. I got a call from my older sister, Cindy, that was saved in Brother Bill Yanders' um, church, which is Brother Yanders' father. She was down in Merced. She said, uh, she said, Rick, she said, don't give up. I said, I, I said, Cindy, I don't understand all this. It's just, it's, it's crazy. She said, listen, listen, listen. Promise me you'll go to one more church. There's one more church in Sacramento. It's, 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 it's a home missions church. They're, they're in a uh, commercial area of Sacramento. It's just in a little warehouse deal. I said, listen, I said, she, she just kept, she kept after me. And finally, I just said, you know what? I'll try one more time. And I will never forget this as long as I live. It's hard for me not to weep when I think about it. But I'll never forget, something felt different about that car ride. We were going down Highway 99. And something was different about this car ride. And we pulled up into the driveway. And uh, people were already walking in. I said, okay, well, they look like the last two groups. So, okay, flicked my cigarette. And I walked up to the door. When I put my hand on the door, truth in the presence of the Almighty God, an angel said, you're home. There was a man of God that was in alignment. He wasn't weighted down with organization. He was free enough to accept the ways of God. Come on, preach. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Whether it was an angel of the spirit, it had led me directly to a man of God. You may be seated. I sat through that church service. The Magruders were there that morning. I said, dude, shut this stuff off. I can't even a personality. Now, I actually loved the Magruders, but at the time I was, you know, you understand. I told my brother, I said, this feels different. I want to come back tonight. We went back that night. Brother Wilson was preaching. Brother Wilson preached a message still to this day. I remember some of the key phrases that he used. And I made, I was sitting right about where this brother was. And I told my brother, I said, I said, I don't understand this, but I'm going to go to that altar. I'm going to that altar tonight. I felt every devil that had ever taken me almost to hell was telling me, no, you'll never be able to do drugs again. You'll never be able to have a one night stand again. You'll never be able to fornicate again. You'll never be able to do what you want to do again. 
But just like the wild man of Gadara, the will of man is stronger than the lies of the devil. And I went to that altar and God met me at an altar. A week later, I told, went up to Brother Wilson. I said, Brother Wilson, see, that's what you got to understand. There's people out there that God is not going to bypass the man of God. God is going to lead them to a man of God. Because God, is gonna, you're, you're an important part of this entire process to bring these people where they need to be. If you can believe God for it, God will start working tonight. If we can believe God for this, God will start working tonight. The very next week, I went to Brother Wilson. I said, Bishop, uh, uh, Brother Wilson, I want to be baptized. I had to get used to this brother stuff. Brother, what's all this brother stuff? (laughs) I think I walked up and called him Nate, Nathan, Nathaniel. He said, now, uh, Rick, it's it's Pastor Wilson. And I've been calling him Pastor Wilson ever since. And I'm delighted to do it. You don't ever call your pastor by his first name. Would you fall out of a tree? Why would you want to diminish the most important man in your life? That's not just any man. An angel brought you to him. The spirit brought you to him. God himself pulled you out and brought you to him. He said, well, Rick, let's, let's talk about your living conditions. I, I started getting nervous. Well, what do you want to know? He said, do you live alone? I said, no, sir. He said, well, that, I said, I got a roommate. He said, well, that needs to change before we'll baptize you. I said, yes, sir. I walked in the door. I looked at this friend of mine and I said, pack your bags. You're out of here. I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. You got to understand, just a few years later, I married my beautiful bride in that church. God said, you gave it all up. I'm going to give you everything right back. Yes! I got baptized in Jesus' name the very next Sunday. Came out of the water. They baptized me in a horse trough in December. No hot water, no nothing. I didn't get the Holy Ghost that day. A couple of weeks went by. And I called up Brother Wilson. Um, it was on a Monday night. And I told, I said, Pastor, I want the Holy Ghost so bad. He said, Brother Rick, this is what you need to do. Go into your living room. And get down on your knees. And just begin to pray. You've already, you've already obeyed the word of God. You've already repented of your sins. 
And just be prepared for God to give you the Holy Ghost. I tell you the truth. I did exactly what the man of God said. I didn't deviate. I didn't question. I didn't try to modify. I didn't try to manipulate it. I hung the phone up. I went into the living room. I got onto my knees. And I can't explain it to you. But just a little while in my mind's eye, my imagination had been cleansed through the washing of regeneration through baptism. And I saw Jesus kneel down beside me and put his arm around me and filled me in Use me with the power from another world. I was down there praying for almost three hours. My body was convulsing. I I was so, tears were flowing. Everything was flowing when I stood up. I knew I was completely different. That next Sunday... I was leading the pack. The drums started and I said, here they come. Now I look like you. Now I sound like you. Now I'm one of you because of the power of unseen assistance. Somebody give it praise. Okay, this is what we're going to do. If you need a healing tonight, if you need to get the monkey off your back, there's people under the sound of my voice that you need deliverance tonight. If God did it for this man, God will do it for anybody. Come on, fill this altar. Bring somebody with you. Bring your neighbor. Bring your friend. Yeah! I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'll Take back what he stole from me. Take back what he stole from me. Take back what he stole from me. Come on, bring somebody.